Giving someone what they want at the cost of what you want should be like a gift. Not something we feel like we should have to do, but something we want to do. We should give them their desires because we want to make them feel happy. Not because we want them not to feel unhappy. I'm going to repeat that. We should give them their desires because we want to make them feel happy. Not because we want them not to feel unhappy. Hi, welcome to VMRA. This is a place where we focus on finding strength through love for God, ourselves, and others in order to heal our minds, bodies, and spirits. Whether you are trying to learn how to set boundaries, finding your voice, or just need a safe place where you feel understood, I hope you join us. So grab a cup of coffee, put your earbuds in, and listen to our show. Thank you. VMRI Healing. My name is Angela Schultz and I am your host. Today's episode is very near and dear to my heart because it is about finding your voice. I had to learn this the hard way and I am hoping that I can help soften your journey to finding your voice. Some of us are just born people pleasers. That are That is who we are to our core. Then there are some of us from a very early age that learned that our opinion or expressing our needs inconveniences others and that we became even more people pleasers. Then there are also some of us who from a very early age learned that having an opinion or expressing our needs is actually dangerous. Those people would be people who have been in abusive homes and such like that. Regardless of how you became a people pleaser or a people pleasing person, finding your own voice is crucial to being spiritually, emotionally, and physically healthy. According to National Library of Medicine, 64% of people who had autoimmune disorders, that would include lupus, ulcerative colitis, rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's, and asthma, so many more, But anyway, 64% of those who had autoimmune disorders have experienced childhood trauma. And with the general population, it is more like five to 8%. What that means is it is much higher than the general population. In other words, there is a very strong correlation between trauma and autoimmune disorders. So what that means is our emotional health strongly influences our physical health. Much like we often think that our mind controls the body, but we forget about the fact that the body also controls the mind. We often think about how our physical health affects our emotional health. Well, our emotional health also affects our physical health. Both are simultaneously true. So according to Psychology Today, five signs that you may have been affected by others denying your voice, and that is why you lost your voice, include, and I'm going to list the five that they list and my opinion on them. So you put up with very bad behavior. Most likely this is a result because you were in a relationship, whether it be as a child or as an adult, where you were severely punished for objecting to someone's bad behavior. 
if when someone treats you poorly and you don't speak up, that is a very strong sign that you were never given the opportunity to stand up for yourself without a severe consequence. And not always does it happen in childhood. Sometimes it happens in um, our teenage years, in our first relationship, or as an adult. Another sign is if you are passive aggressive. Oftentimes when people feel standing up for themselves as dangerous, they learn to communicate their displeasure in more subtle, yet sometimes harmful ways. There often has been a buildup of resentment over the years, and so you acted out in the only safe way you knew how, and that was by being passive aggressive. Unfortunately, being passive aggressive is very harmful on your interpersonal relationships and can actually damage those. So it's not a good way to not have a voice. Um, the third I already mentioned, but your body takes the toll. Emotions have a beginning, middle, and end. If we do not work through those emotions, then that tension is actually stored in our body. Not only can that tension come out in inopportune times where we're considered like hypersensitive or overreactive, but it also may come out in fatigue or chronic illness. The fourth I can relate to very well is that you don't know who you are or what you like. Um, if you've ever seen Runaway Bride, it has Julia Roberts in it. She runs away from every serious relationship. In each relationship she had, each of the significant others had thought that she had a particular favorite egg. And it happened to be their favorite type. So basically, she claims that her favorite type of egg is the one that they like best. So it changed with each relationship. The, what you end up finding out as the story progresses is she never learned what her favorite type of egg is because she just became like them. If you have found that you don't hold strong opinions and your likes and dislikes often reflect those that you are around, then there is a strong possibility that you need to learn to find your voice, that you need to learn what you like. And then the final one is you deny yourself a full relationship. You struggle to be vulnerable in front of others or you feel immense shame if you find yourself being vulnerable. Vulnerability is actually a sign of a healthy relationship. If you shy away from being vulnerable with those you are closest to, then you may need to be looking to see if you need to learn to find your voice. Some of that may be that you don't know what your wants and desires are because you've been denying them. Or maybe it's that you feel shame in actually bringing up what your wants and desires are. Or you feel guilty as if you're taking away from the other person because you were taught that other people's needs were more important than yours. Many of us do not even realize we have denied our own voice until we realize that our life seems empty. At least that was the case of mine. I am a natural born people pleaser. I remember the first step towards me recognizing that I did not have a voice. I was actually talking to a friend and I said, I feel like my life is like a garden. Someone asked me not to plant roses. So I stopped planting roses because the roses weren't actually even important to me. Then someone else said, don't plant tulips. Since tulips were not important, I did not plant those. Then suddenly I looked at my garden and all I saw was dirt and a few weeds. 
And it actually happened very differently or very similarly to that, but different. So if somebody showed any displeasure in something that I did, so like if I was being too loud, then I would quiet myself. If I was being too quiet, I tried to be more talkative. If I tried to be silly or childlike and they thought that was weird, I would stop being childlike and silly. And essentially I was losing every part of who I was. And I was 40 years old or almost 40 years old. And I was looking around and I'm like, I don't even like my life anymore. It seems dull. It, it's this garden that doesn't have any flowers in it because it has lost all identity of who I am. So I ended up bringing that scenario to my counselor. And that is how I began my journey in trying to find my voice is discovering that even though the individual flowers, like it's not, there are certain things that are not important. And so you think, okay, well, I can change that. So that way I'm more pleasing to the other person. But when you do that over and over and over again, you start to lose your own identity. So essentially the different flowers represented things that I enjoy, parts of my personality, unique things about myself. So as they seem displeasing to others, I would just let them go. Not one flower is important by themselves, but when you spend your life pleasing everyone around you, you slowly strip your garden of flowers until you lose all of the parts that make you, you. And that happened because not only do you not have a voice to speak to others with, you know, you're not able to voice your needs and your wants, but you also have been denied your own voice to yourself. You raised others, people's voices to be higher than your own, not just to other people, but to yourself as well. So when I say finding your voice, I am not just talking about the voice for when you stand up for yourself and set boundaries. But I'm also talking about the voice that allows you to know that you are worthy, valuable, and important, even if others don't see it. So how do we find our voice? Unfortunately, I cannot fit all that I have learned in one podcast. I would need to do a series on this. The voice I want to talk about today is the voice you yourself hear. We will talk about boundaries in several future episodes, very important topic. But before we can learn to set boundaries, we need to learn how to hear our own voice. We can't make others hear us until we can hear ourselves. Too often, those of us who do not have a voice yet are very apt to follow the crowd. We rarely have opinions of our own. And if we do, we feel it is not important enough to share. We often feel the needs and desires of others are more important than our own. And if we think someone is wrong, we don't necessarily correct them. In fact, even when we know they are wrong, you may find yourself being silent because the fight does not seem worth it. Because in the past, if you corrected somebody, you were hurt by it. So it's more important for you to be safe than to fight. But the thing is, is that no longer serves you. It may have served you in a particular relationship that you were in, where it was dangerous to have an opinion, it was dangerous to correct somebody, but that no longer serves you. Now, none of these characteristics are bad things. It is not bad to give people their way. It is not bad to not correct them. But you always have to ask yourself, at what cost? Often we're asking that question and make the determination that our needs don't matter, 
But the truth is, although we think we are answering the question, we rarely are looking at the big picture. So when we ask ourselves at what cost, thinking, oh, it's not that big of a deal, we need to look deeper. What does it really cost? Not just now, but in the long run. One of my biggest struggles in my marriage was denying my own wants and my own desires to please my husband. It is important to deny our own desires every so often to please our spouse. That is definitely an important thing. But we should not be doing it every single time. But anyway, back to the question before. At what cost? Giving someone what they want at the cost of what you want should be like a gift. Not something we feel like we should have to do, but something we want to do. We should give them their desires because we want to make them feel happy. Not because we want them not to feel unhappy. I'm going to repeat that. We should give them their desires because we want to make them feel happy. Not because we want them not to feel unhappy. So anyway, early on in my marriage, my husband said he did not like salads. He did not like broccoli. He did not like meatloaf. And the list could go on and on. But these three items in particular are some of my favorite foods. So because he did not like them, I never made them when he was home. And so I'm never going to make meatloaf by myself. So I just stopped eating meatloaf and I'd only eat salads for lunches. And then broccoli if it was on the menu. My husband has very strong opinions on decorations. So he prefers the more muted colors and I love vibrant ones. So we decorated in muted colors. He in fact did not even realize that I like vibrant colors. That was his preferences and I went along with it because it wasn't important enough. And what he picked out was okay. So now if I were to share this with you without any context of knowing anything I've said previously, some may start to question whether my husband is forceful and maybe even abusive and controlling. The truth is he's actually a very gentle man. He is human, but he prefers to do things that make me feel happy. He actually will intentionally give me my way, probably to a fault. The thing is, is I didn't have a voice. So the problem wasn't with how he was treating me, causing me to have this behavior. It was something that I learned prior to being with him. So the fact that we ate his favorite meals, decorated the house the way he liked, was because I wasn't listening to my own voice. So when he said, ugh, I don't like meatloaf, not only did I not tell him that that was like one of my favorite meals, I also denied my own voice to myself. I told myself, that's not very important. The cost seems small, so I spent the next 20 years not eating meatloaf. Not a big deal, if that were the only thing. But that's just the small picture. The bigger picture, it cost actually a lot. It robbed my husband the chance to know me better. It robbed our, our home of becoming a home with both our unique tastes. I robbed myself from feeling the fun joy of making and eating one of my favorite meals. See, I spoke up and said, that's actually one of my favorites. And maybe only made it once every few months. He'd probably feel disappointed once in a great while when I actually made it. And you know what? Him being disappointed is okay. It's okay if our spouse is disappointed. The thing is, is 
I didn't tell him that. And I didn't know that I should have told him that. And I didn't tell him many other things that were my preferences because they conflicted with what he wanted. And then it snowballed. When he said how bland he finds salads, I made sure it was never on the table when he ate with me. He said he disliked broccoli. By de denying our voice once, it's easier to deny it again and again and again. It becomes harder to share our own thoughts, preferences, and desires. Then we begin to feel guilty when we do speak up because we feel like we are betraying the other person. But you know what? You're not. My submissiveness was not healthy. It did not serve my husband and it definitely did not serve me. In fact, I would say it destroyed me. I will never forget crying in our living room and telling my husband about the, this figurative garden I was talking about earlier. And I said, it's just so hard because you don't like meatloaf and this and that. And I went on and on and on. And he looked at me just completely dumbfounded and said, um, some of that isn't even true. Maybe one time I said that, but like, you seriously stopped all that because I said I didn't like all, I didn't like that. And then he gave me the scenario. He goes, you don't like football. I still watch football. You don't like family guy. I'm still going to watch family guy. Why would me not liking something make you not do it? And it was funny because that really was like a light bulb moment for me. Oh, just because he doesn't like it does not mean that I need to stop it. And my initial reaction was like, because I want you to be happy. And he said back, I might not enjoy meatloaf, but I'm going to be happy if you enjoy it. And then it finally occurred to me, it was never about his happiness. I was afraid that if I did something that he did not like, he would be unhappy and disappointed in me. It was never about his happiness. It was about his unhappiness. I was afraid of re rejection. I was afraid of ridicule and many other negative things. I wasn't trying to make him happy. I was trying to stop him from being unhappy because there was a time in my life that if I made someone unhappy, there was a strong response. Me trying to please others stopped serving me when I no longer needed to fear the unhappiness of others. I still desire to make people happy, but I do it to see them feel joy, not so I don't feel fear. It is a gift to them, not a sacrifice. So if my story resonates with you, I encourage you to dig into your own desires. Figure out what you really like. Learn to listen to yourself. Know yourself. In some biblical circles, the idea of finding yourself is considered a sinful thing because we should be looking straight to God. And though I do believe that we should be looking to God first, I also think that it's important that we acknowledge where we need to improve. And sometimes it is being able to know who you are in order to serve others better. So when someone asks where you want to eat, I encourage you to choose a place you would really like to eat at. 
If it is not safe for you to have that opinion and to express that idea of where you want to eat because the other person may explode, then I'm very sorry to say this, but you might be in an abusive relationship. So having preferences and needs should be safe to communicate. If it is not safe for you to be able to communicate your thoughts, your desires, your needs, then you need to reevaluate that relationship. But finding your voice is not about those times when it is unsafe. I'm talking about if you have gotten out of those abusive relationships, if it is now safe to have an opinion, learn what that opinion is. Learn that it's okay to tell people and have them be like, oh, I don't really like that. It's okay if they disagree with you. They are still going to be your friend if it's a good, healthy relationship. You are worthy of your own thoughts, opinions, wants, and needs. So this type of abuse is not just in marriage, but in any relationship where one person can have authority over another. If you would like to share your story, feel free to leave a voice message at the link in the show notes or send me an email. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me. I appreciate it. And I love hearing from my listeners. God bless. Again, I just want to thank you for being listeners to my show. If at any time you want to reach out to me, email me at viamareyoga at gmail.com. That's at viamare, V-I-A-M-A-R-E, yoga, Y-O-G-A, at gmail.com. You can also check out my website at healingmindbodyspiritwithangie.com. There you will find my show notes as well as some book recommendations. God bless.